0: Good morning, welcome, Denton North Church. Guys, you can spread out on the sidewalk and the concrete and other places. Make sure before you sit next or close to someone, they're cool with it, uh, that they like you, smell okay. They don't, uh, they haven't pegged you as having anything that they don't wanna catch. I'm A little loud, slightly loud maybe, but maybe not. All right, so if you wanna use the restroom, uh, too bad. (laughs) It's trees, building, one person at a time inside, wear a mask, one person in the bathroom. So make sure that we are uh, listening to their rules. They've been gracious enough to allow us to be back. And uh, at some point, we might start beating inside if it gets rainy, bad weather, that kind of stuff. But this is actually kind of nice, right? You guys like it? Yeah, right? What do you, What's the up mean? Oh, that just means yes. oh, okay, great, 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 great. Okay, I didn't know if you wanted me to speak louder or something. So, Okay, well, here we are, back together again. Um, it's good to see everybody, although it's a little bit bittersweet for me because rather than waking up at, you know, 10.30 and coming up with a sermon in five minutes to do on Zoom, I actually had to spend a good part of 12 minutes this week planning, uh, so that was a little bit tough. But welcome back. Um, so a couple things before we get going in terms of announcements. We started small groups this week, so we've got six small groups, one's girls only. Uh, The rest are co-ed, three meets Tuesday, three meet Wednesday, all seven o'clock except for the Wednesday group, which is girls, that is 7.30. Um, So if you're not a part of a small group, let us know. We wanna get you in one that's for anybody that's not a part of the college ministry, focus ministry, all right? And so, you know, really make it a priority this semester to contribute to your small groups, to not expect your leaders to do all the work. Um, We're peer-led as a church. We don't have a few hired professionals that do all the work. So yeah, Uh, our small groups are really about kind of uh, opening up opportunities for ministry throughout the church, seeing how people are doing, checking in with people, certainly as a, a springboard for uh, building friendships, but at the same time, our LTGs kind of do a better job of that anyway, our smaller group meetings. And the small groups are definitely welcome to meet in person. However, I would say you probably need a, like a unanimous um, agreement from your small group to meet in person. So if someone, two or three, even maybe one person, is a conscientious objector, don't do it, okay? Just wait. Wait until the time is, is good for everybody. Yeah? Cool? Right? All right, good. Announcements, nothing like announcements, to wake you up. Uh, Our leadership um, opportunities or if you're interested in doing anything leadership in the church, just let us know. Um, One of the new things we're doing this semester, which I think will be particularly interesting, is our worship team. And by that, I don't mean musicians. We're going to give the musicians an even longer break uh, for the upcoming or the foreseeable future are probably not going to be doing music much in the following months, which I know is really sad. But uh, the good part of that is that we will come up with much more creative ways um, to worship God that don't involve just singing a song and staring off into the distance and moving like zombies. Uh, Yeah. So we've got a team that's really going to kind of think through what it looks like Um, to worship God at the individual, the corporate, uh, and be able to actually do that together um, on these mornings. Cool? Yeah? So that's for anybody who wants to be a part of that. You're welcome to. You do not have to be musically inclined. You can simply be someone who's interested in even exploring what that looks like in a culture that uh, uh, worshiping God seems not so uh, normal or cool. Okay? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's it. We got any other announcements that I'm missing? No? Great. Good. Well, let's dive right in into our sermon series this morning. We're going to be out of Mark. So we're going to do the basics of Christianity. We're going back to the beginning, talking about the basics. And what's really cool about this sermon series is that you have provided the titles and the topics I have done, Leslie have done, has done, really we've done nothing. You have provided it, which I really loved actually. Um, Not just because I'm lazy, but also because uh, it's really cool to hear the ideas that you guys had, both on the surveys and on that Sunday morning uh, that we were together, where you contributed your ideas. We're probably going to do that again each semester. But if you didn't get a chance... To contribute something, add something into our sermon series on the basics of Christianity, please just let us know. Idea comes to your mind, you have some profound thought, that would be great. Let us know. We're gonna kind of break this up into three things Uh, really, who am I? Who is the community? And then, who is Jesus? So, kind of three really basic ways of looking at this. And the topic today is who is Jesus not? Who is Jesus not? Okay? Sound all right, Devin? Okay, good. Who is Jesus not? So some of you said um, not. Who is Jesus not? N-O-T. Not. So why start with something like that, uh, a sort of negative assessment of who Jesus is? Uh, partially because, well, you recommended it, and partially because sort of the absence of something, like the not part, it's cool, it's good, we're good, my fault, no, uh, is sort of the basic, maybe like surface level first step into somebody's identity. Who you're not is like a scratching the surface for who you actually are, all right? And so I thought maybe in a basic sermon series of Christianity, why not start off with the most basic idea of who Jesus is not. Okay? It's sort of like an absence of identity. We're talking about the basics. It's an important first step. Even thinking about your conversations with people, often when you first get to know someone, it's kind of like you've gathered around something you're not. You've looked at someone and said, can you believe this guy listens to country music? What a loser. And you're like in agreement that that guy is such a loser. Right, Josh? No. Um, So that's why criticism is often not very constructive, because you're simply pointing out who you're not, not who you are. And we got a lot of that going on right now in social media and in conversations about politics and everything else, who I'm not. I'm not this person, I'm not that person, but not a lot of really positive, affirmative, identity-shaping who we are. So we'll get to the who we are later, but we're gonna start with who Jesus said he was not. I had a professor in grad school. He was a really great guy, I liked him a lot. Took a lot of classes from him. His name was Dr. Murray Leaf. And he was an anthropologist. Um, And in one of the classes, he basically talked the entire time about how Christianity was useless and uh, any of the absolutist religions were not worth pursuing. And I thought it was a great class because You know, I like to challenge the things that I think. And he mentioned that Confucius had the idea long before Jesus of the golden rule, except it was kind of like the anti-golden rule. Confucius said, don't do unto others as you wouldn't have them do unto you. And he used this as sort of like the perfect example of why relativistic religions, religions that you can kind of shape, Um, are much better than religions like Christianity. In fact, he just basically said, see, this is a much better rule than the golden rule. Because the golden rule actually tells you to do something affirmative for someone, and Confucius rule just basically says, don't do what someone doesn't want you to do. Sort of leave them alone, let them decide their own fate, let them do their own deal. Everybody just leave everybody alone, all right? Which is really kind of like the mantra of today's Religious ideas. Just everybody leave everybody alone. <laughs> uh, which you can see the downfall of that is that we don't have much community, don't have close relationships. We have all kinds of issues that come from that. Which I want to say as a side note, I'm really proud of our church because over this six months period of kind of hiatus, people still have been getting with each other, knowing each other. Um, You know, uh, actually caring about other people, which is a, a really big deal. It's the difference between having a church and having a community. When the church stops meeting, people stop meeting. They stop caring about each other. They stop knowing what's going on around them. But when you're in a community, that stuff doesn't change just because you can't see people face to face. And that's really important. So I want to applaud you on that. All right, so Jesus definitely talked. Uh, some about who he wasn't, not near as much as he talked about who he, he was, but he did talk a little bit about who he wasn't primarily at the beginning of his ministry and to people who really had no clue what to kind of think of him. So we're going to look at three passages really, really quickly talk about those, let you guys ask some questions at the end and then uh, be good to go. So the first one's Mark 10. Okay. And uh, we're going to be in Mark 10 kind of around 17. Let me back up a little bit. A lot of you guys are familiar with this story. I want to talk about it just a little bit. Uh, in terms of who Jesus isn't, okay? So 17, let's do 17 through 21. I would have one of you guys read it, but I don't think anyone's gonna be loud enough, right? Yeah, no, plus you're reading forward, yeah, okay. So as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So, so far, so good. This guy is really interested, um, really seems to respect who Jesus is. Uh, he wants to know how to, to get to heaven. Jesus, in one of, really honestly, one of the more perplexing passages of scripture, one that Muslims have used to sort of say that Jesus never actually called himself God, uh, or even just sort of people who really aren't really into Christianity used to say that Jesus really never called himself God. We'll talk about that in a moment. He says, Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, false testimony, defraud on your father and mother. Teacher declared, I have kept all these since I was a boy. He probably stood up at this point, no more on his knees, was like, Yeah, I'm definitely in heaven. <laughs> uh, no doubt. Jesus looked at him, loved him. So I think is an important point here. Said one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Now, Jesus is not asking us all to sell all of our possessions um, or even to give them away figuratively as some communistic-minded Christians have well, I think, intentioned suggested. He's simply telling this person something very, very small and simple, and that's if you want to come follow me right now, which is an invitation he didn't give very many people at all. In fact, most people, hi, Willow, <laughs> didn't give very many people the opportunity uh, to have. He says, you're just simply going to have to sell what you've got and follow me. Just, He's like, not making some grand religious statement. He's not trying to you know, lay down a point for all Christians ever to come after. He's just simply telling him the truth. If you want to come after me, be one of the guys that's following me, you're simply going to have to give up what you got because that's an impediment for you to do that. And he rejects him, right? I mean, he he literally says, uh, or doesn't say anything. He just, his face fell instead of his body this time. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. So Jesus here makes it pretty clear that he's not good. Now, a lot of uh, theologians have tried their best to wrangle this passage, to make it say things that maybe it's not saying. And let's just be honest, it's kind of unclear why Jesus himself would say he's not good, only God's good. I don't really want to go into that because the whole point of this series is basics of Christianity, not deep theology of the Trinity. But I do want to make a couple suggestions to you, and that is, first... um, that what Jesus is ultimately saying here, at least in my opinion, my my viewpoint, is that alone, Jesus by himself, isn't God. Only God is God. As Christians, we have this weird tension, this very strange idea that God is three in one, spirit, a human, and then the Father, and that alone, apart from God, uh, Jesus himself is not good. Now, think through that all you want. It's a difficult idea, whatever. But it actually does a number of things. It tears up, I think, or opposes, rejects the idea that God is simply just um, a human. Now, some of you are thinking, well, yeah, who believes that? Well, I don't know. Mormons believe it. Um, that God is simply human. Okay, this is one of the kind of age-old controversies uh, Heresies that, that ultimately God is just sort of human and uh, just a powerful human, and uh, he's good to go. Now, we don't address that near as much in our day and age, but think about what else he attributes here. He says that God isn't just a far-off being, that God together is good, which means that the Spirit, Jesus, the Father, these sort of separate parts of God We're never meant to exist separately. Again, this is very important if you think about this from a sort of basic religious uh, standpoint. He's not just human. He's not just some spirit out there spiritually doing things. God is fundamentally different than any other God that's come before him. It's also fundamentally more confusing. He's not simply human. Father, sort of up high, grandfather, Santa Claus God. And he's not simply a spirit roaming the earth in everything uh, and sort of consuming everything. So just this one point, I think, was meant to kind of remind us that God is so much more complex than we understand. And all the ways that we have fashioned our understanding of God up to this point just don't work. And Jesus is trying to make this clear to him that the old ways of doing religion, which for this Jewish man who's faithful, which was obeying the law wasn't going to work. He was ultimately going to have to come and follow Jesus to see who God was. All right? The other important point for us is that we're not good. And by not good, I don't mean that, you know, this idea of, you know, total deprivation, you know, part of the, the tulip model, the way too taken far... Uh, idea that all of us are just only bad and bad all the time and you know, can barely even you know, follow Christ. I'm simply saying we're not complete and we're not consistent. I think those are really good ways of looking at that. You know, that. Certainly we're made in the image of God, which means that we can do things, all of us as humans, Christians or not, that reflect who he is, but we're not consistent at acting out of that image. Nor are we complete... In terms of being able to fully image who he is. So we're not complete. We're not consistent. We're this odd mix of image of God and rejection of image of God. And we always are and we'll always will be, uh, of course, until God makes something out of it. Okay, So we can't simply be good if only God is good. There's no way to take human nature and say we're good if God is good. If God is good, complete, consistent, that means we're not there at that level, so we're not good. Really basic definition of goodness. Now, it's important just because, again, most of us on a daily basis sort of operate between two definitions of human nature. The one where we're sort of, you know, uh, thinking about all the bad things that we do and thinking I'm not that good of a person, but most of us are pretty optimistic. We're optimistic Americans and sort of deep down in our heart we kind of have this sense that you know most of us are pretty good we're pretty good <laughs> like you know at the deep down you know who in your life would you be able to list as bad people right if i gave you the assignment right now list 10 people that you know not like hitler you know or mao but but, but people who you know who are just bad people right we don't really have that language. We don't think like that. And yet, I think what, partly what Jesus is saying here is that if God is good, complete, consistent, we're not. So that's an important point here when he talks about who he is. And if Jesus himself isn't good alone, uh, you know, we certainly aren't good either. But there's a more important and I think pressing point here. And that is, if we look according to the nose of identity, the things that we are not, that is really the only way we can come up with this idea that we're pretty good people, okay? I, I didn't commit adultery, I didn't steal, I didn't fornicate with another man's wife. Um, so I'm pretty good, I'm a pretty good guy, I'm decent. This is the whole idea of the Old Testament that people were living according to the no's, the what not to do. And that only showed them that they weren't good. But in our perversion, we've actually taken the no's and what not to do and come up out of that thinking we actually are good. (laughs) Apart from God, we do some crazy things. As long as I don't do this thing, that thing, the other thing, this thing. And we've all got our own lists. We've talked about this before. Our list that just so happens to naturally fit what we're already kind of good at. Or what we've actually already kind of experienced. And then of course our list does a really good job of making sure that we always have in the back of our mind the true bad people out there. You know what I mean? The people who are really doing the bad stuff. So, you know, if we ever start to question our own goodness, we just have to think about this group for a second and remember, hey, at the end of the day, we're a whole hell of a lot better than that group. So if nothing else, we ought to probably get to heaven for that, am I right? Because we know they're not going. So James talks about this idea that anybody who doesn't do the good he ought to do, or anybody who doesn't do what they ought to do, Sins knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it. The scripture is affirmative in how it talks about goodness, not negative, meaning it's not a whole long list of things you ought not do. It's a, it's a person that you ought to follow, and that's ultimately what goodness is. And this is really, really important, guys, because it's such a huge distinction from really any other religious set of um, beliefs Um, theology that I've even studied. Not only that, but it's very, very different from the American version of Christianity often. From religion, uh, even if it's Christian religion. Uh, Which often isn't about Jesus being good and following his goodness, but simply about a whole long list of no's that we ought not do. And again, I'm not saying the no's are not important, but the no's are often a first step. Paul talks about this as babies being fed milk. Why are you guys at the basic level here again of figuring out what not to do? Now this is all this New Testament talk about rituals and festivals and sacrifices. These were all a bunch of rules, small rules that were not. Don't do this. Don't eat that. Don't go here. And the point was to move beyond that. So this is a really, really important passage uh, for us to consider and think through uh, when talking about who Jesus wasn't. He wasn't someone who felt like he could... um, rest on the things he didn't do uh, at, to, to be the perfect example. You think about Philippians, uh, that someone, you know, the, the passage of Philippians where it's talking about Jesus, you know, considered himself nothing, right? This is how he was able to do that uh, because the definition of goodness is ultimately uh, the things that we're able to do, not just the things that we don't do. Mark 10, 42, move over just a tiny bit. Read this passage. So Mark 10, 42. Uh, So, well, let's go back a little bit here because I think this probably is an important point leading up. So let's do 35. So James and John, the sons of Zebedee, also called the sons of thunder because they were some pretty bad dudes. These are the same guys that after they were rejected uh, in a city because people didn't want to hear the gospel... We're like, hey, Jesus, I have kind of a decent idea. I'm just going to throw it out there. What if we just call down thunder and lightning, lightning on this entire village and just consume them all? Um, yeah, they were like, reject the gospel? All right, cool, sure, lightning. All of you, devastation. Um, trying to bring back an Old Testament God. Um, just kidding, that's not going to be hopeful. So 35. Then James and John, sons of Zebedee, came to him, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> I can't even imagine in you know, approaching your employer saying this, or, or even your wife or husband. But here they are in front of Jesus saying, all right, hey, listen, check this out. Um, I'd like for you to do kind of like whatever we ask. Where are you at with that? And uh, <laughs> okay, the goal, yes. So he just kind of probably says, and maybe a little bit of an exasperation, or maybe maybe a quizzical, kind of like, oh, I want to I go with quizzical here. Kind of a, oh, and what do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us, just one, I'm not asking for two, just one, sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. <laughs> now, So that means right, left is a little bit lower, you know, one and the other, but it's still like you know, James and John get to be on either side. Pretty dope. Okay? And uh, he says, you don't know what you're asking Can you drink the cup I drank or be baptized with the baptized I'm baptized with? They say, we can, which follows along with their their heads, I think, having been uh, blown up with ego. Jesus said to them, well, actually, you will drink the cup I drank and be baptized with the baptized I'm baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, so you get the idea there's some favoritism, you know, they're sort of making their way up the disciple rank so that they can make sure they secure their spot at the top. There's not something completely terrible about this. I mean, you know, they were closer to Jesus than the other apostles were. Uh, they wanted to make sure that they could be kind of all in, I think, to some degree. Um, but... Jesus uses an example here to kind of counter that, that thinking. So he says, um, You know that those who regarded it as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, talking about the centurions and the various people in Rome uh, who had this very, very detailed hierarchy of officials and leaders. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the second thing that Jesus was not about is lording over people. He wasn't about uh, being good on his own, and he wasn't about lording over people. I'm reading Dune right now. Kills me, man. You guys not read Dune? How I just heard about it? What's wrong with me? You've seen the movie? Good. Yeah, I've heard the movie is really top-notch. The old one. What is what? What is Dune? It's a book. I said I'm reading Dune. What, did you think? I'm reading a sand hill? Or? Oh, I'm mean, about to tell you what it's about. I mean, you know, I wouldn't mention it. You just say randomly in the middle of my statement, oh, I'm reading Dune. Okay, and then continuing on. Kevin, <laughs> do you have a question, or is your arm just up, or what? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fine. So, Dune. Wonderful book. Uh, I even want to teach a class on like the gospel in Dune, or maybe leadership in Dune. I don't know. Is that an eagle's nest? Because that's a big nest. Okay, squirrel nest, yeah. Let's keep an eye on that. I think Darby and Drew are right underneath it for some droppings. Okay, Dune. So Dune, I'm not going to say what the book is really ultimately. I'm just going to talk to you about the fact that it's got some amazing leaders in it. And uh, those leaders lead not through, you know, power directly over people. They lead through things like influence and uh, honesty and loyalty and those kinds of things. And that's really what Jesus is talking about here. He didn't come to lead by forcing people to do things. You know, you've heard the whole leader, manager, all that stuff. Because anybody who's been in a position of any kind of power knows that it's so much easier to just force people to do stuff. Uh, easier both in it gets done quicker, or probably not very well, but, and easier for you to have to not have to model behavior for them, to force them to do something than to try to encourage, lead, influence, be honest. Uh, but we all sort of know that. Jesus didn't come to do those things, He came to actually serve. But I want to make a, a bigger point here, and I think it's um, one that I guess is kind of my major point, even though I have a third one here, so I don't know what the third one's going to do for us. But um, yeah, so why did he come to serve and and not be served? Well, because that's who God is, right? That's the goodness part of who God is. Why would a God need to be served when he has all the power unless he has something wrong with his fundamental goodness? Uh, I don't know. You You don't need to be served if you already have all the power, right? Unless you just created people to do what you wanted them to do at all times and make them robots. Again, this is something that separates Christianity from almost every way that God has ever been portrayed. I mean, if any of you have read the, the gods of Greek philosophy and Greek philosophy, it's just terrible. It's a soap opera of all the gods just messing around with humans and people uh, so that they can d- make them do what they want at their every whim. Our God is not like that. He does not need your service. The only way he would even accept your service if it had to do with loving and caring for him and doing it as a son would do for his father because he loves him, not because his father told him to. And we see that with what Jesus is saying here is you guys don't lord it over people. God didn't come to get served by a bunch of people and for him to, you know, salve his ego. He's got a much bigger plan, and that's to actually, um, in people's service, speak to them about how good he really is. Another point here, and I think maybe an even more important point, is that every no for Jesus often led to a yes. He didn't just stop at saying, I'm not this. He continued by saying, I am this. And that's what's really important, I think, is a lesson for us in terms of, Uh, Thinking about who we are and identifying is that Jesus didn't just say, I'm not about lording over people. I actually came to serve. It kind of goes back to that first point we talked about, that if all we've got in life are a long list of no's that uh, sort of determine and define our relationship with God, and we haven't really turned any of those into yeses, we're still at a very, very uh, immature stage in our faith, which is not a bad thing. It's better to identify that and recognize it. It's also an exciting and liberating thing to know that religion isn't just about not doing stuff. It's actually about being empowered to do stuff, uh, which is much more exciting than just thinking that religion is a bunch of rules uh, where we don't do stuff. The last one's John 18, 36. So didn't come to lord over people, didn't come to um, be good as people would find good. So John... 18, Jesus, this is actually at the end of his ministry now, but he's talking to someone who has virtually no understanding of who he is. So again, it goes back to him defining himself by who he isn't because that's more palatable usually for people than trying to define himself by by who he is. All right, so John 18, he's in front of Pilate. And he has a sort of famous conversation here, uh, or memorable one at least. And, uh, and so Pilate came out, uh, it, well, let's go back to, let's go to, yeah, 33. So 18 verse 33. So Pilate, who was kind of the, the main guy in charge of this uh, area, one of those lording over Gentile people that uh, Jesus was talking about earlier. Uh, Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Uh, it would have been very easy for Jesus just to say yes, Then Pilate to say, you're hung, hanged, whatever, sedition, not a good thing, can't be the king of the Jews, only one emperor, uh, the Roman emperor. So Jesus says, "Uh, is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? It's like, are you kidding me? Do you think I'm a Jew? I don't know. I'm not concerned about this. Uh, The Romans didn't generally think very highly of the Jews, particularly the higher ups, in Roman society. thought they were kind of weird with all their rituals and faithful practices. Remember, the Romans were pretty cool at, at like, anytime they conquered a people, they'd just be like, all right, we'll take that religion and we'll add it to ours. All right, because you can't have more than, I mean, it's always better. The more religions you get, you just add them on. It's fun. You could do all kinds of cool things. Uh, and so, yeah. So the Jews just wouldn't do that and they were, they were kind of seen as sort of separate. That wasn't good. All right. So, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But no, my kingdom is from another place. Then you are a king, Pilate said, trying any way he can <laughs> uh, to make this happen. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Ah, what is truth, Pilate asked. And I could go into whole definitions of truth and these things and that. But just understand that throughout the ages, believe it or not, truth, which is kind of ironic, has been defined differently by people. Who would have thought? Uh, There is no truth in defining the term truth. But eh, we're doing the basics here. We're not going to go crazy. So, what is truth? With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge again, but you're accustomed to release. They want to release this other guy, yada, yada. Listen, guys, Jesus was not trying to win some battle, okay? Not an election. (laughs) Not just justice for people who he cared about and knew about in his day and age. He was trying to win the human spiritual war, like a totally different wavelength here, all right? And he makes that really clear. Uh, Even to the point where he backed it up, because after, you know, when he was arrested before this, Peter, like, chops off that guy's ear, and Jesus is like, ear, back on hit. Peter, no, no. Okay? And uh, to prove the point that he wasn't about this whole let's use swords, we're not going to even get near that, even though he probably had enough followers to put up a couple day, you know, uh, riot or whatever else. Not going to go that route. Instead, he's going to, you know, uh, keep as his main number two, a guy that disowns him three times. Good strategy. Good strategy, Jesus. Um, But we saw how that worked out. So he didn't come to do religion by religion's rules. His comments, often his harshest comments in the New Testament and the Old Testament were against religious people. Not so important to understand, it was against religious people, not the irreligious people. Because he's reminding them that often religion gets so intertwined with the issues of the day that they forget that God is doing something so much bigger from the beginning of time to the end of time. And why this is so important is because God's goodness means that he doesn't just care about the people uh, in this day and age or a part of this cause that you're you know, interested in. He cares about all people everywhere. When he says that anybody on the side of truth will listen to me and follow me. He's not just talking about everybody living at that current time. He's talking about everybody who will ever live ever. And this is important. His goodness means he cares about the entire world, the entire stretch of humanity and earthly existence. Not just one time period, one cause that means something to him. He's vested in it all. And that's really important too because, again, when you think about some of the other religions that popped up in a day and age where certain issues were being addressed and those religions often become very cultural or very specific to issues, Christianity is supposed to stand far and above all of those things. Because Jesus actually cares about people, uh, not just to exist today, not just about causes that exist, um, but that that have existed and will exist throughout time. So, three things about Jesus. Uh, Not good, or at least... uh, how he phrases this to this person, not lording it over people, and he didn't come to conquer the world. Uh, not in the sense of conquering the sort of existent world at any given time, but to actually con- conquer, you know, human uh, war against sin uh, and evil. So those are the first three things uh, that we'll talk about and kind of address each of these in the next couple weeks, sort of in kind specifically, so that we can drill down a little bit deeper. Uh, questions, thoughts on this one, since this was something that you guys asked about. You know, the, the original prompt I think was what did Jesus not say, um, but that was a little bit harder to do. So I went with this direction of just who Jesus isn't. Uh, hopefully that was just as helpful. But you can still ask questions. You know, I mean, we, we're pretty much done now. We're gonna do communion, and then Kurt's gonna come do a shepherd's prayer. But if you've got questions, thoughts, comments, get back into the habit of uh, of responding some. Yes, no, maybe so. I know, guys, we haven't done church like this in six months, so we're all really not used to it. We're all used to it at this point. See so, yeah, leave. Yeah. So, uh, people have been arguing and debating this for a long time. But I think the quick answer is just, Jesus is talking about, oh, how can Jesus not be good? The idea is that Jesus himself separately, at least how I approach it, is not good apart from the Father. Now, when you think about the Trinity, which is very confusing, and we actually will talk about in a couple weeks, but we'll we're going to make it at a very basic level. And this is a stumbling point for a lot of people because rationally, it really doesn't make any sense um, to have these sort of separate parts and together part. Um, but it also shouldn't be that surprising that we can't fully, with our rational brains, wrap our mind around God's identity fully. <laughs> And that's where trust comes in, that he's given us enough. Um, because remember, we take that passage and then the passage in Hebrews where Jesus is the exact representation of God. He's what we need to know uh, here on earth. Um, but yeah, there's just some questions about what does he mean here. Maybe he's simply, like the easier answer to swallow is that he's simply saying he's not good according to this guy's understanding of good, which was about following laws and doing not, not doing stuff. Um, But I don't think that really meshes with what what the passage is saying. I think what he's really saying is that, you know, throughout his life, Jesus is talking about, I do exactly what the Father tells me to do. Um, The idea that there's this sort of combination trinity thing and that the trinity itself is good, not each one of these separate things. And I think the best way in my mind to think about it is what he's ultimately doing is the trinity differentiates Christianity from all religions in that all religions tend to focus on God's humanity only, spirituality only, or this sort of impersonal force-like spirit. And the Trinity ultimately sort of, um, yeah, it, it kind of destroys all of those very singular ways of thinking about God. But that's my viewpoint. That yeah, Captain. No, I'm saying that together God was good. You guys are really locked into this theological point. We're doing basics of Christianity. Have Ever heard of it? No, the Trinity is not basic. It's one of the most complicated and difficult truths of Christianity. It's, like, impossible to plumb the depths of. If you guys really want to know about the Trinity, then we can do a little class on it, you know? The Holy Trinity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the big... Yeah, it doesn't... Exactly right. And, in fact, there's a heresy uh, somewhat popular around town, actually, called modalism, right? The idea that uh, Jesus is in one... Or God is in one mode... And he just sort of switches from one mode to the next and never like all three exist. It's simply called modalism. Like he's sometimes he was spirit form, sometimes Jesus. And sometimes that's even thought about as sort of over time. He's been this, he's been that, been that, but he's not all together. It's been like a kind of convenient way to make sense of the Trinity uh, where we can be like, all right, this doesn't make sense. So let's just say these are like seasons of God's life. You know, he's like, was Jesus at one point? Cool. Spirit at one point. Now he's God. No, that, that doesn't really mesh at all with what the scripture says. Okay? Basics, guys. Come on, Trinity? Man, dang. One thing you heard from the whole thing, Trinity? Man, gosh. We're just deep thinkers. Yeah, right. Deep stinkers. <laughs> we'll work on my jokes. Sorry, it's been a while. I'm a little rusty. Anything else before we, uh, we do communion here? Questions, thoughts, comments? Okay, remember if you, uh, if you want to add something to our Basics of uh, Christianity uh, series, then you just let us know and uh, we will do it. So I'm going to say a prayer and then Leslie is going to come up and do communion stuff and then Kurt kind of end us off. Uh, God, help us to live uh, in accordance with your spirit and, uh, and the example that Jesus gave us not live down to religion and rules and a, rules and list of knots, uh, but to actually um, live in accordance with, uh, with how you've already shown us. We love you. Amen.
1: Okay, if you did not get a communion cup when you came in, raise your hand and Kurt will bring you one. And leave your hand up until he brings one to you. Um, and then just so you know... We hand-washed with soap and water every one of those, and both of us have sanitized our hands before we touched them. So I just want you guys to feel comfortable that those are about as sanitary as they can be. Okay, just keep your hands up, he's coming around. And for those of you that may not have seen it, um, we've been doing a meditation lab in the month of August and the month of September, and it's not too late for you to be a part of that if you want to. Um, But the scripture that we're working on this week is Psalm 73, verses 21 through 28. And I wanted to take a communion thought from that this morning. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just picked out a couple of things that stuck out to me, and I'm going to read those. So verse 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And when I was really thinking about this, I was really struggling with um, just my weaknesses, some of them weaknesses in ministry, some of them weaknesses in leading a church, some of them sin, um, but just weaknesses. And when I was reading through this, I was like, my flesh and my heart may fail. I was like, yeah, I'm there. Like, that's what I'm feeling right now um, is that failure. But God is the strength. Of my heart. And just that reminder that in my weakness, that God is my strength. And I think that communion is something that really highlights that. Communion is what highlights my weakness covered by Jesus, my weakness covered by the strength of my God. And then skipping down to verse 28, it says, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Um, and just the idea of it's good to be near God, how thankful I am that we can be near God no matter where we are. Like we don't have a certain place we have to go to be in his presence. We can be in his presence anywhere but at the same time that he would give us the privilege of meeting together and finding his presence in the midst of all of his people together, um, all in terms of our community anyway, Um, but just how thankful I am to get to be with you this morning and to tell of his deeds through taking communion together because that's what we're doing is we're telling of his death and his resurrection We're telling of his love. We're telling of the way he serves us, the way he puts others first. Um, And those are good things that we celebrate together this morning. Um, So there is a little wafer on top of your cup, if you haven't figured that out already. And the wafer is not going to compare to the bread we normally have But I would tell you that if you put it on your tongue, it will dissolve. That's the best way to take it. And then you can peel the top off of the grape juice and drink the grape juice. You might want to give it a little shake before you do that. Um, But we'll take communion together to commemorate um, the good deeds of our God and that we get to celebrate that together. So, God, I just thank you. Um, for your body. I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the good news that that is to us. And I thank you that we can celebrate that together this morning. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good morning. Now we need the the little kids to come pick up all the cups like we have at our other churches. Okay, so yeah. So Willow, would you mind picking up the cups now? (laughs) Just kidding. We won't do that right now. Okay, that's that's probably not a good thing so but anyway i just want to say good morning and welcome back Um, it's really good to be back and see all these faces yeah i'm just it's it's encouraging and plus uh oh well we have we have brad's going to be picking up cups so uh, and uh others so thank you but uh, it's just good to be back i mean the tv thing it's it's good but uh it's, it's nice to be in person, too, the, the Brady Bunch thing, I should say. So anyway, but I just wanted to sh- just share a, a little bit of good news over the last six months so that we've been apart. So anyway, as I, like Brad was saying earlier, that it was just good. We really appreciate everyone, for the most part, we've been to look out for each other and just to look out for each other and to t- check on each other. And to do things like the drive-by encouragements and things like that, and and that was really encouraging. I also want to give us a little challenge, though. If there's somebody that's been on your heart that you haven't talked to lately, or uh, maybe it's not here, whatever, just check on them. Okay, there may be somebody out there that's that's feeling you know discouraged or whatever, and maybe they're not here this morning. So if you know if that's somebody that's God's put on your heart, I want you to to uh, make a effort this week to maybe check on them and encourage them. I just want to thanks to our small group leaders over the last few months for, for running with Zoom and, and just taking that and, and, uh, encouraging us and, and getting to play some really cool, um, what do you call those games, technology games? I don't know. So whatever. Uh, yeah, thank you. Sorry. So, uh, uh you know, th- thank God for some technology that the technology, you know, you think about 30 40 years ago you know it had been it'd have been a lot tougher but through the technology now and most of you uh, younger ones are used to have grown up with that so it was easy for you to do zoom and things like that so that that was really cool and a lot of good relationships were formed I feel like we were able to get uh, closer to each other and talk through some things and all that on zoom and so that was encouraging also if you don't know which most of you probably do we have added Ezra um this past couple of months ago and congrats to Josh and M. And uh it's nice to see more kids. So Willow will have more kids to play with. And we've also added, you know, the lambs and oh I can't think what read in or an okay. I was thinking of your last name and I couldn't think of it, but we've God has been sending us some families, and and that's exciting too. So uh those are answered prayers. So we're exciting to have kids around here. That's been a prayer of mine for a long time now. So uh, it's happening, and so I'm excited about that. So we uh, we we did uh, we were able to add three more pastoral co- co- cohorts over this summer, too. And let's give them a, another round of applause for leading last Sunday. I th- Ryan, I think last Sunday was really good. I really just appreciate your and your team's uh, message to our church. I thought it was... Uh, very appropriate. And those of you that just gave and you gave more over the last few months to keep our church to help with resources for people that were out of jobs or needing food or rent or whatever, thanks for doing the extra and going the above and beyond over the last few months to really make it happen. And so we, we just want to say thank you and, and thank God for what, what's what been going on. So I just wanted to give you a few words of, of encouragement and good news uh, I'm going to pray for a few things before um, before we dismiss, and then we'll be dismissed. But what I want to do before I start praying is I want to just give you a minute or two just to kind of meditate and think through uh, just some things that God's done in your life uh, over the last six months, and just give him some thanks just privately in your chairs. Just uh, do that privately, and then I'll finish this out with a prayer. So just take about a minute or so to do that. God, we just want to thank you for being good and being our God. Lord, you, this last few months have definitely been interesting and up and down just with life, and we just thank you for bringing us all back together, Lord, and an opportunity just to honor you and to encourage the body, Lord. We just thank you for this time. Lord, we just we just pray for what's going on in our world with the the viruses, Lord, and 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 just things that are that are not real real good, Lord. The the racial injustices, the the uh, the crimes against our kids, Lord. Um, you know, just our our politics, Lord. A lot of a lot of ugliness in our world, Lord, and and a lot of the ugliness has been brought to light, Lord. And so we just want to confess Lord, that we have, as humans, failed in so many ways, and Lord, we want to do better. We want to be better. We want to give hope, like Ryan talked about last week, to people around us, and Lord, we, we have so many people that need hope, and, and we have your good news, Lord, and shame on us for not wanting to share it, and help us to do better, Lord. Help us, forgive us, and help us to do better. Lord, we just want to—we just want to lift up. Um, um, we are so thankful for Ezra and Josh and Emily and our new families, and just the people you have sent us, and and the children and families that you're sending us. Lord, we're just thankful that Darby was able to finish her treatments, and thank you for uh, that's a blessing. And we just pray for her as she goes forward. And. Pray for Drew as he just works to just to love on her and minister to her and help us as a church to continue to surround them and encourage them any way we can. Lord, I just want to lift up David Woods and his upcoming back surgery and um, just pray for him as he gets ready for that. And Lord, I just want to pray for the Plachey family and uh, Ryan and his family as um, his grandparents are are battling uh, with the virus right now and just and, and just battling for life, his grandfather. So we just, we just lift them up now, Lord. Uh, thank you for loving us, and thank you for just, again, being our God. We love you, and we love this body, and we love this community. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
1: Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week.